welcome everyone to another edition of the Pensburg Podcast. I am Garrett Bahanna, joined as always with the man himself. He is Hooks Orpic, Jim Rixner. Jim, how are you doing? Doing great. Welcome to the show, everybody. Thanks for joining us. And uh, Jim, I think the Penguins are, are doing pretty good too, considering all of the circumstances. So let's dive into it. Uh, since our last podcast was released, I believe the Penguins have played the Chicago Blackhawks and the New York Rangers as they prepare for uh, Friday night's game against the New Jersey Devils. So, Jim, we'll look back against these over these last two games and see where the Penguins stand. Uh, the game against the Blackhawks was one that I was recapping for Pennsburg, a game in which the Penguins won by a score of 3-2 to two in the shootout. And, uh, Jim, I think it'll be a common theme for this episode of the podcast as we continuously refer, refer back to the Penguins uh, and their ability to go down into multiple goal deficits and find a way to claw back out of them in hopes of winning the game. And that's exactly what the Penguins did against the Chicago Blackhawks. I believe they went down, uh, if I remember correctly, I, I believe they went down 2 nothing, and they scored three unanswered. I, I believe that's how it was. If not, either way, the point, of the, the point of the matter is they went down, tied the game, won the game in comeback fashion in the shootout. Jim, I think the biggest thing to come from, I believe it was the Chicago game, was the injury to Sidney Crosby? Did that happen in Chicago game, or am I am I getting ahead of myself? Yes, no, that's right. I, I'm all over the place for this episode of the podcast, but uh, the, the the biggest piece of information that we're going to talk about on this episode of the podcast is the health of Sidney Crosby. Uh, happening, like I said, in the Blackhawks game, uh, Crosby went down. It looked like he went awkwardly into the boards, and he subsequently took a puck. Uh, off of his foot, I believe, when he was either blocking a shot or just found his found the puck found his way to his foot. Either way, uh, the health of Crosby was the the big factor coming out of the Blackhawks game, and uh, we'll we'll take a little bit of a detour and we'll get back to the game against the Rangers that they played. Uh, but Crosby's injury and Crosby's status is probably the most important thing to talk about, and it has since been at least leaked through. Uh, the Athletic and Rob Rossi of the Pittsburgh chapter of the Athletic that Sidney Crosby is currently considering options and he is uh, allegedly dealing with a sports hernia injury. And uh, Jim, I guess this is just another chapter in this year's saga for the Penguins as they deal with yet another injury, unfortunately, to their best player, their captain, Sidney Crosby. So Jim, looking at this potential sports hernia injury that Sidney Crosby is dealing with, uh, estimates indicate if he does go under the knife for surgery, it is a four to six week recovery uh, for Sidney Crosby. Can the Penguins sustain, can they at least stay afloat without Sidney Crosby heading into probably, you're probably looking, what, a little bit after Christmas, if not around the Christmas time? Yeah, we'll have to see how that would go. Obviously, that would be very tough to handle. But they have Malkin back, who's playing great, so that that's one big factor. And then Jared McCann has seven points in the last six games. So he's showing that he can be, the, I guess, that secondary option. And then further down the line, more depth. Um, I don't think the Penguins will stay like they have been as one of the top two or three teams as far as expected goals goes and as far as the course he goes. Their ability to control the puck is going to go down without Crosby. I think that's just understandable. But... The words you use, staying afloat, I guess that would be the best way to put it because that's really what they would have to do is just try to make sure they stay in the playoff picture. 
And right now, there's no reason why they can't. They still have a deep team, even with now Chris Letang out as well and Patrick Hornquist out. That's like $24 million was said that's that's out. So that's never good. But can they stay afloat? I don't see why they can't. Obviously, they're not going to string together probably a six or seven game winning streak anytime soon. But if they keep doing what they have been doing, their last three games have gone to overtime. So you get at least a point when you do that. Sometimes you can win even in a shootout like they did Saturday against Chicago. So that to me, I think would be the key. And uh, so we'll fast, we'll fast track back to what we were talking about at the start of the show. Uh, they played the Rangers uh, Tuesday night and it was a, in a losing effort in overtime. And again, it was kind of, it was more of the same for the Penguins and what they've done over the last, what, four to five to six games, they had hit a multi-goal deficit early on and find, find a way to claw back, tie the game. And uh, they forced overtime because the Rangers went up 2-0. Uh, they forced overtime and unfortunately uh, lost to the Rangers in overtime. Uh, Jim, I think given the circumstances, over, you're, you're going to take overtime points at, at this point in the season without Sidney Crosby. And that's something that you kind of alluded to uh, when discussing the impact of Crosby's absence. In all honesty, Jim, I, I looked at this game against the Rangers. And even though we, we knew pretty much going in that we wouldn't have Sidney Crosby, I still viewed the Rangers as a rebuilding team who had some pieces. Uh, but honestly, I, I did not expect them to once again go into a multi-goal deficit for them to claw out of. I didn't expect a 7 nothing victory, but I did expect the Penguins to show a, a little bit more a little bit more stability, especially on the back end. I think Matt Murray played one of his better games of the season. Had it not been for Matt Murray, they probably lose that game. It looked really bad. Uh, the defense was seemingly out to lunch early on in the game, and they slowly rebounded. Murray stayed on his head and uh, got the Penguins back into the game to get the crucial overtime point. Uh, Jim, was there anything that caught your eye in the Rangers game? One thing before I do hand it off to you, though. Uh, Capo Caco is the real deal. I don't know if I stole your thunder there, Jim. But Capo Caco looks to be the real deal for the Rangers moving forward. He sure is. He was impressive all night long, along with Adam Fox as well. So, yeah, they've got some real pieces in New York that they're building with. And like you were saying, it's been a big problem all year for the Pens as far as their starts have gone. They only have eight first-period goals all season long in 17 and 18 games now. So that that's a big deal when and four of those came in one game. So for the most part, they're pretty much either going into first intermission tied 0-0 or behind if Murray's having an off game or if you know something happens and the other team scores. So that's been a problem all year, and that's something that I don't know how you address that or, or how you figure out how to get a better start. but it's been whatever they're doing in the first intermission seems to work though, because they have 28 goals in the second periods of games, which is second in the whole league behind Washington right now. So, I mean, you have one of the worst first period offenses and then the best second period offense, maybe it'll even out, maybe, maybe they'll figure out how, but I think that that would be the key because as you said, towards the beginning of the show here, one of the biggest, um, hallmarks pretty much of the season so far is the pens go in a, a two nothing hole or a three nothing hole and then they claw all the way back and sometimes they win sometimes they lose in overtime sometimes they just lose but i don't think that's pretty reliable obviously no one wants to be playing from behind in a position of weakness and if i'm not mistaken a lot of the teams they've been playing lately haven't been quite that impressive i, I know the islanders they played and 
and that's a good team in Boston as well. And that's two teams that put the pens in holes as well. But, you know, whether it's a good team or a bad team, you don't want to fall behind. And I agree with your point. You know, you thought based on on looking at the teams on paper that the pens would you know, the Rangers would be a perfect opponent to not fall in an early hole against. And what do you know? They fell in a 2 nothing hole, and it could have been more if not for Matt Murray. They were lucky for that. And that's what you'd have to avoid. And hopefully as soon as Friday night against New Jersey, because that's another team who isn't very strong, who hasn't, very, who hasn't found their way very much so far this season. So there's no reason to fall into a 2 nothing hole or a 3 nothing deficit all of a sudden by the end of the first or the early part of the second period because comebacks like that just aren't going to happen every single night and Jim to add on to your point there I completely agree with you I think these slow starts in the first period uh continue to be a, a troublesome thing uh looking looking at the overall uh, arc of the penguin season so far and it's definitely going to be something again and you you basically said it you know you, we don't know how to fix this problem but whatever the case may be you know, you you at least hope that because let's say that Crosby, unless he doesn't, uh, if he doesn't go the surgery route with his sports hernia to miss the next month, month and a half, uh, there were talks in Rob Rossi's article that he could take possible uh, steroid injections to try and alleviate some of that pain in the groin area to continue to play through the season and possibly look at it again at season's end. Uh, but when looking at that, if Crosby is absent, Crosby, and I keep bringing it up, obviously, because he's one of the main driving factors of this offense. Uh, and if he if he's just not in the lineup, they're going to have to take a more, I, I guess, team-centric approach to try and generate more scoring. It's not happening in the first period. And without Crosby, you know, everyone looks at Crosby, at least subconsciously, and you think, well, Crosby's in the, Crosby's in the lineup. He's on the ice. You know, that takes a lot of the pressure off of Malkin. And that takes a lot of pressure off of Gensel and a lot of the supporting cast as well, just because of what Crosby can do as a, as a, as a singular game changer. And with his absence, I'm almost worried. Uh, it's it's going to be very difficult if Crosby is out long-term to see what this offense will turn into. Uh, early results have been kind of meh. And, you know, we we've talked at length here about the deficits that they've gone in only to claw their way back. But if they're not getting scoring, if they're not getting consistent scoring from, from Evgeny Malkin, Jake Gensel, uh, and the guy that we're going to talk about next, Alex Gauchenyuk, things could be very, very concerning over the next month, a month and a half. I mentioned Alex Gauchenyuk's name because he is a player that we're starting to get a, a bigger sample size of what he can do in a Penguins uniform uh, after the injuries that he had been dealing with early in the season. I don't mean to uh, I don't mean to completely bash Alex Galchenyuk or his game, but with each game that comes and goes, he looks more and more invisible. And like I said just before I, I segued into talking about Galchenyuk, this is not the kind of thing you want to happen if your captain is going to miss an extended period of time. They traded Phil Kessel primarily for this player, this forward to slot alongside of getting Malkin in the top six. He has three assists, no goals in nine games. And uh, for someone who was traded for Phil Kessel, obviously they have brought along that defensive prospect as well. But for in the immediate future, we're looking at Alex Galchenyuk and his production, and he simply has not got it done. It's very concerning only nine games through, what, 19 or 20 that we've played. So 
maybe you give Galchenyuk a little bit more leeway to see if he can settle in and get into some sort of groove. But Jim, the, the early returns on Alex Galchenyuk uh, have not been very promising, to say the least. They haven't, and he was hurt for a while too. But I think what's what's disappointing about that in the six games he's been back, he has obviously no goals and just one assist. And that assist was a secondary assist, and it was just pretty much a routine play where he passed the puck up the ice. So that's not a good sign either that since he's come back, he's basically done nothing. And um, Tuesday after the game, Mike Sullivan was pretty harsh on Galchenyuk. He talked about him quite a bit, how he was hoping that Galchenyuk would raise his game. And he used a couple of coaching buzzwords that he usually uses about like focus and compete and just making the game simple for himself. And that's unusual because Sullivan doesn't usually um, have any kind of critique or negatives to his players in public. He usually keeps a pretty stoic or, or straight faced, you know, publicly at least, and then saves his talks and his coaching for private and in the video rooms and all that. And but he's done that a little bit this year. It kind of had some similar words to Nick Nick Bukestad about 10, 14 days ago. And then Bukestad scored the very next game. So I don't I don't know if maybe he's trying to calm out a little bit and maybe that'll try to wake him up or help get Galchenyuk going. But yeah, they definitely need more from him. I wrote about that on Wednesday in Pennsburg. Um so you can check that out for more. One thing that jumped out to me is Alex Galchenyuk's average shooting spot is 33 feet away from the net, which is not good at all for a forward, especially a skilled forward. I think Gensel and Brian Russ were both about 25 feet. So that kind of shows you that Galchenyuk's not shooting from in close enough. And in the NHL, most of the goals come in and around the net area. So that's another thing that I think he really needs to make it a point to just kind of get into the traffic zones, get into some dirty areas, see if he can find a rebound, pop out to him like the goal Malkin scored the other night. I mean, that's that's where you got to go to break a slump and get on the board. And Galchenyuk's a free agent at the end of this year, so he has a lot of mo- motivation to want to put up some good stats and numbers and it's pretty much going to be on to him to see what he can do because, yeah, it's mid-November and he's got no goals, and I don't think anyone would have thought that at the beginning of the season. I think one of the things that uh, when we first analyzed Galchenyuk's game uh, in his previous seasons in the NHL, a lot of the talk when the trade was made for Phil Kessel was that he was a streaky scorer. If he would get on a hot streak, you know, the, the offense would sort of come and go. And I I don't think he's been on any sort of hot streak through this point in the season, which is unfortunate. Um, But like you said in in your um, in your point regarding Bukestad, maybe maybe it just takes one goal. Uh, Maybe maybe that's all it'll take for 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 Galchenyuk to get rolling. Uh, He was placed on he was placed on the top line with McCann and Gensel the last game that they played. I don't know if. Uh, in tomorrow night's game against the Devils, if we'll see the same lineup combination, but he's getting well. I, even I was I was gonna say he was getting prime ice time, but come to think of it, I saw a stat where his ice time in the last game against the Rangers, I believe, was cut to what, 12 and a half minutes, which was two minutes less than what he'd have been typically playing. So Mike Sullivan is obviously somewhat uh, frustrated, I guess you could say with the lack of offense from the the caliber player that Gauchenyuk has shown himself to be. But Jim, I agree with you. I, it's, you know, we're in mid-November and with not a goal to his name, it's, it's just not a good sight 
and it just goes back to all of these bad things are happening at once for the Penguins. No one's going to feel sorry for them, obviously, uh, in the NHL regarding injury. But if they, if they don't get this offense into gear and to, um, to a larger extent, too, the power play, uh, we, I mean, we could save the power play discussion for another time after getting off the schneid and registering a power play goal against the Rangers the other night. But if the power play itself doesn't get going, you know, that could be another detriment to the team moving forward as well. Yeah, and you talk about ice time. Galchenyuk, the past six games since he's returned to injury, has played about 13 minutes or so. And he's actually played a few seconds more than Jared McCann in the same stretch. And McCann has seven points in that stretch. Galchenyuk has one. So you're right that it's not like a ton of ice time, but... I mean, you got to do something with the time you get to get more, and and I can see where that's going. And I just pulled something up, and to your point about him being a streaky scorer in Montreal, where he scored 30 goals in 2015-16 season, in the last 17 games of that season, he scored 11 goals and had six assists. So that shows you right there. He he did put up 11 goals in 17 games. That's that's a really good run, and that's something that you know they, they would definitely need. As far as his line, the line with McCann and Gensel got absolutely crushed two nights ago against the Rangers. They were not doing well at all, and they got broken up in the third period, so I would think they switched that up. But that also um, makes it tough because if Galchenyuk's not working with Gensel and McCann, are they going to put him with Malkin or if not, what do you do with them? Or, you know, it's, you're running out of skilled players to play with. Is he going to play with like Bukestad and Cahoon? Like, I, I don't think that really sets him up for success either. So he's kind of at a crossroads. It feels like for his season, what kind of season is he going to have? The injury definitely derailed it in the beginning of the year, but you know, like you said, no one feels sorry for anyone. Time keeps moving on. And look what Brian Rust is doing. He missed time with injury, and he jumped right back in, and he looks great like he never even missed a beat. And obviously, you know, a point per game, you, that's that's tough to expect from anybody. But I think that just goes to show that Galchenyuk can't really hold that up as an excuse either because other guys have come back and have, have played really well. So we'll see what he's made of and what kind of metal he has as a player because I would think this will be a very big test for him. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. A very big test indeed it will be for Alex Gauchenyuk. Uh, but switching gears, we're going to move into our mailbag segment here on the Pennsburg Podcast. If you're a first-time listener, long-time listener, or a first-time Twitter user for that matter, uh, lucky you for being a first-time Twitter user, welcome to the mailbag segment. Uh, if you're interested in getting uh, getting involved in the mailbag segment, you can do so by following our Pennsburg Podcast Twitter account at Pennsburg Pod, at Pennsburg P-O-D. Uh, every week before we start recording a new episode of the podcast, a new tweet will go out asking for uh, Twitter questions from any of our loyal listeners. Uh, any topic, any subject you want to talk about, we will gladly answer. Uh, we've turned this mailbag segment into something fun, something really fun at the end of every episode we do. Uh, I'm, well, I'm just hoping, Jim, I'm sure you're hoping as well to get more fun and quirky responses as we head into the 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 middle of the NHL season. So I'm hoping for a lot more interaction. Thanks to everyone who has submitted questions so far. Uh, but Jim, you'll get the first crack at this mailbag segment. I'll ask, I'll, I'll give you the question to ask or to answer. Uh, the, the first question comes from Cole Del Vecchio, who says, what are your thoughts on the Penguins being able to make big comebacks in their recent streak of games? Cool. 
Well, thanks again, Cole. Um, we kind of touched on this earlier that on one hand, it's impressive that they played so well in the second period and they've adjusted. And I think certainly, as everyone remembers all too well, for the past couple years, early in seasons, if the Pens got down two or three nothing, they would completely phone it in and just go away easily and not even seemingly try that hard and just lose five to one, six to nothing, you know, really, really bad. So in that vein, it's, it is encouraging at least that this team does look like they're sticking with it. They don't, they're definitely not quitting at any point. They're still fighting hard and they're still seeing good results. And I think they see that too, is they know if they're down two to nothing, they're not out of the game. Like I think maybe in years past, they would figure, Oh, two, nothing, you know, we're not going to get it back, but this team doesn't seem to quit. They, they know if they keep pushing, if they keep doing the right things that they're going to get rewarded and they have been. So that is a plus, as I've said, and it's only logical that you want to kind of avoid being down and having to make a big comeback in the first place. So hopefully, you know, in an ideal world, you start out up to nothing and you just keep, keep it going. That sounds simple. And the other team tries to, I get it, but, um, Deep down, yeah, it, it's great that they at least have some extra oomph to get it in gear and actually come back and win or get an overtime loss out of games where they're down two or three nothing because traditionally, especially in a league like the NHL, once you're down after one period, two periods, you don't win very many games. Our regular writer, Sammy Bagel Jr., writes in for you, Garrett, and says, what situation do you see the Penguins in with Galchenyuk in a year? resigned traded gone away to ufa or too early to tell now this is very interesting because you know we had just spent so much time talking about gauchenyuk uh so i think honestly i think there are quite a few avenues that jim rutherford could take regarding alex gauchenyuk he is a ufa at the end of this year he's only making well i only making but he is making 4.9 million dollars that is his cap hit for this season Obviously, his production to this point in the season has been disappointing. Uh, he will obviously be in for uh, another, uh, I would say, medium-sized contract, contract, especially given his production to this point in the season with the Penguins. I think logic says that Gauchenyuk probably, unless he really turns it on between now and the end of the season, I don't know if he'll be a member of the Penguins team next year. I don't know the Penguins salary cap issues going into next year off the top of my head, but I want to say it's not, they don't have a lot of cap flexibility. So I think logic dictates that Galchenyuk probably won't be a Penguin to start next year. But Jim, is it also out of the realm of possibility that if Galchenyuk does start to produce a little bit, is it crazy to think that Jim Rutherford wouldn't entertain a trade come February regarding Gauchenyuk? I, I think crazier things have happened. So, And we know what kind of gunslinger general manager Jim Rutherford is. If he does build some value and he doesn't see a, and Rutherford doesn't see a long-term fit in Pittsburgh with Gauchenyuk, maybe he ships him out for a draft pick or another younger asset, maybe a couple of young assets. It's a very interesting scenario, and his poor start to the season hasn't helped him probably gain any uh, leverage, especially with the Penguins going into uh, contract talks for next season. Jim, did you, did you want to add anything regarding the Gauchenyuk, the future of Alex Gauchenyuk, or did you want to move to the next question? No, that's that's a good one because we've certainly seen 
whether it's Tanner Pearson or Jamie Alexiak or guys like that, that Jim Rutherford will acquire players and then move on from them very, very quickly. Even a guy like Eric Goodbranson was only around for what, like 25, 30 games of real time. So it wouldn't be beyond the pens to move on, especially like what I come back to is one of the weaknesses on this team is skilled wingers and Gal Chenyuk is supposed to provide that. He's supposed to provide some production. So if he's not doing that and you could seek an upgrade, um, that could be one area where the team couldn't look to upgrade. And to your point about the salary structure, a lot of the space that they're going to get next summer is when Galchenyuk comes off the books. And obviously they're either going to have to replace that with another skilled winger or re-sign him or, or figure that out. But that's kind of bad for him too in that he is the salary cap flexibility. And when that happens to you, that that's not good. So I, I agree with kind of the direction I think you were headed in that for one reason or another I don't think Galchenyuk's stay in Pittsburgh is going to be that long because if he heats up and somehow scores 25 goals in the last 50 games of the season then he might be a higher free agent commodity than the Pens can pay or, or feel comfortable paying and if he doesn't produce that much at all then the Pens probably won't want him back and will look to someone else to get them some points so it's an interesting way it could break. I mean, there probably could be a path for him to come back next year, but for different extremes, I think the smart money is on Alex Galchenyuk being a short-term member of the Pens, either by trade or free agency at the end of the season. Our final question comes from Stephen Whitehouse, who asks, now that the Penguins have shown their depth when faced with all the injuries so far this season, what remaining pieces do they need to be a legitimate Stanley Cup contender this year? Cool. Yeah, like I said, um, if you look at this team, I think that skilled wingers is is something they need. They have Jake Gensel, who's obviously great, and he's going to score a ton of goals, and he's a great fit with Crosby. But after Jake Gensel, what do they have for skilled wingers? You have Galchenyuk, who has new goals, and we've talked about him extensively this podcast, but that's becoming a pretty big talking point at this part of the season is that he's not producing like they should. Patrick Hornquist, you know, has a great motor, but he's not exactly a highly skilled guy. Jared McCann can play wing or center. He's doing great. I mean, you love him, but you like him kind of in a depth role that can do a lot of different things or bounce to center when you need him. Dominic Simone has his ups and downs, probably more downs than ups, probably better as depth, just like Dominic Cahoon. So you just cycle through the lineup. You see a lot of guys who are great to have as, as like depth pieces or just that are good to have, you know, on the team. But as far as, you know, this team is down a Phil Kessel, who was on the first power play and put up a ton of points. And if Galchenyuk's not really going to replace that, then, you know, even though it's tough to dream, I mean, the Taylor Hall stuff, I think, is out there for a reason. And it doesn't look like his situation in Jersey is going to get any better. I don't know. Then you have to play the game. Is it worth the cost of all the young pieces it would take to get him? Maybe not, and maybe the smart move is to pass. But if it's not Taylor Hall, you could look at a guy like Tyler Toffoli from the LA Kings. I think you could even look at Chris Kreider from the New York Rangers as a rental. You know, someone along those lines that can come in and play top six wing, a guy who, you know, has a history of putting up points and producing. That to me would be one of the biggest weaknesses on the team. Um, I would look to defense as well, just because I'm not sure that Jack Johnson is going to keep this facade up. He has the highest uh, save percentage on the team right now, which means that Murray's masking a lot of what's going on back there. But 
Johnson's shots attempts are down. Uh, I gave him some credit in an article earlier this week on Pennsburg that the scoring chances the Penguins are giving up when he's on the ice this year is about 20 every 60 minutes. Last year it was 27 per 60 minutes. So he's made some improvements in his game, but I don't know how much of that is sustainable or going to be around still. So I I would think in a perfect world too, you, you look to add another defenseman to add to the mix as well just because you can never have too many defensemen anyways, and the Penguins defensemen like to get hurt too. So for me, that that's what I would look for as far as upgrading or trying to look around. What did you think, Garrett, about what the depth means for this team or what holes that they might seek to fill? I think first and foremost, the, the biggest thing the Penguins need at this point, you could argue, you can make the argument that they don't need uh that 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 Taylor Hall-esque winger or forward, you could make the argument that the biggest thing they need is to stay healthy. And much has been made already about the this current group of forwards and defense for that matter, but this being one of the deeper squads the Penguins have had since the 2015, 2016, 2017 uh, window. And I, I agree with that. I, I think that's there, there's some, you know, there's some validity there when looking at all of the, the, the Penguins and what they've done you know, guys like Sam Lafferty, Cahoon, Simone, you know, they've started, they've shown flashes. I agree with you. And I think that those guys are probably more well-suited in depth roles. So the the likelihood of them bringing in a Taylor Hall, Tyler Toffoli, whoever else uh, is on is on the trade block between now and February. Uh, it, you know, if, if they're staying afloat, if Crosby comes back, let's say he does go the surgery route, he comes back on Christmas, around Christmas, and, you know, they're still in playoff contention, or they're floating around the, the wild card spot. Uh, you know, I, I think Rutherford would be more inclined to to, to test the water and, and see what is out there. Uh, you're you're right in saying that uh, where there's smoke, there's fire regarding Taylor Hall and his availability. As it looks like he's not going to re up in New Jersey. I agree. I don't think the Penguins have a lot to offer. Uh, regarding a potential trade for Taylor Hall specifically. We've seen crazier things happen with Jim Rutherford. Uh, but to get back to the original point of the question, I was going to I was going to go with the defense and specifically the bottom pairing. And we've harped on this countless times, so I'll make this short and sweet. Uh, you brought up a really good point in, in talking about Jack Johnson's recent stretch of play. Uh, and maybe he's building a little bit of trade value. I'm not saying they're they're likely to pull a, a, a trigger on a trade for Johnson anytime soon. Uh, maybe things change between now and the deadline where Johnson is packaged and you know they keep Marino down there on the third pair. Maybe they bring in a, a more mobile, more offensive-minded defenseman with better possession uh, possession metrics. Obviously, you know we've been clamoring for that for the last couple of years. So I yeah to put a bow on it probably. I'd like more defensive depth. I think the offense, when healthy, could probably handle uh, another playoff run. It, it would never, it wouldn't hurt if they got uh, Taylor Hall, Tyler Toffoli esque forward to to just uh, strengthen the already the already pretty solid forward group. It wouldn't hurt at all. Uh, but if they don't go that route, I would like them to upgrade the defense. Uh, Jim, is there anything else you want to add before we get out of here? I think that's it. Um... Well, I guess we're recording this at a weird time because the Penguins still haven't said much officially about Sidney Crosby, but if the scoring injury is to the extent that it is, like it definitely seems like he's going to have to have surgery. And the athletic article made it seem like the Penguins want him to go ahead and take care of it now 
and he's maybe considering if he can work through it or, or like you said, use some rest or some injections or figure out how to get through the whole year. So I guess that presents an interesting debate, too, as far as what would be best. I know no one really likes to have surgery and get cut open when you when there's a choice or depending on what the circumstance is. But I would think at some point it's going to have to happen. So it might as well just take it out now you know, this time of the year, while it's still November, he can be out for November, maybe most for all of December, and then figure it out for playoffs. Um, what's your thoughts on that, Garrett, as far as the timing of this thing, if it is that groin injury, sports hernia type of deal? I think the Penguins and Crosby, in all honesty, if it, if it does come out officially from the Penguins that it is the sports hernia uh, and they do elect the surgery route, I do think the Penguins caught a break in terms of timing and Crosby caught a break as well. I agree with you. I don't think anybody likes to go under the knife, you know, when there is possibly a, another avenue to take that is, you, you know, less rehab intensive and put it off till the end of the season. But we're only in November. Uh, I don't think the season is going to be decided between mid to end November and uh, the start of the new year when Crosby would be estimated to come back. I think for the benefit of himself, so this doesn't linger, for the benefit of the team uh, moving forward to try and lock down playoff positioning come New Year, uh, I think it would be wise that if it is this this four- to six-week timetable for the sports hernia, I think it would be wise for them to do the surgery, uh, just take the surgery route now and just get it over with and not have to worry about it. I think Zach Trotman was, if he wasn't mentioned, I believe he was mentioned in that Rob Rossi article, Penguins defenseman Zach Trotman was also dealing with a sports hernia and uh, early on in the season around training camp when it was fully healed around the start of the season when it fully healed and he likened well, he didn't liken he he described the sports hernia recovery process as just kind of annoying because you know just when you, he said just when you think you're ready to start testing it out something comes back to bite you and you're still feeling pain down in the groin area but to get back to the original point you asked, I, yeah, I think it's best that they do this and get it out of the way now. Come January, mid-January, February, you know, we won't be talking about this. It'll be in the rearview mirror. It'll be beneficial to everybody if he's fully healed and ready to go for the end of the regular season and into hopefully what is another long playoff push. Uh, but, uh, Jim, I am going to plug all of our wonderful social media channels uh, get notified every time that there is a new episode of the Pensburg Podcast by following along on our Pensburg Podcast Twitter account. Uh, that's, again, at Pensburg Pod, at Pensburg P-O-D. Follow our main account to get notified about all types of incredible Penguins content that we're churning out every day for all of our lovely readers over at Pensburg.com. You can also follow us at Pensburg on Twitter, and Pensburg is also uh, has an officially licensed page on Facebook. Uh, regarding our podcast, our podcast is available on all major streaming services, Apple Podcasts, Google Play. Uh, there is a podcast player that I will put in an article every time a new podcast comes out on pensburg.com. There are multiple avenues you can you can take to listen to uh, the Pensburg podcast. But for Jim Rixner, Hooks Orpik himself, I have been Garrett Behanna. Thank you so much for listening to another edition of the Pensburg Podcast, and we will see you next week.